Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by me and my business, Lauren Grace Inspirations. I am a channel of the light and work with spirit guides, angels, the higher self, and passed over loved ones to provide you with support, clarity, and encouragement. Using oracle cards, mediumship, and clairvoyance, my readings will leave you feeling comforted and empowered. I have various reading options available, ranging from 30-minute readings to 60-minute readings to group sessions. I also work with professionals to help them gain clarity in business and life purpose. To book a reading with me, simply head to laurengraceinspirations.com. Enjoy the episode. Lauren Grace here and welcome to the afterlight and I'm joined today by Mark Anthony. He is an international teacher and speaker and is the founder of co-creation. Co-creation is one of the world's leading theta healing training organizations. 17 years ago, he was diagnosed with an incurable infection, osteomyelitis. He was then introduced to theta healing and it transformed his life. As a teacher and speaker, he empowers people to heal and transform their lives and create lives they love. He's been invited to speak and train in more than 20 countries and has the ability to bridge the gap between science and spirituality. Theta healing is a simple technique in meditation that allows you to create incredible changes in your life quickly and effortlessly. Mark has helped people heal from chronic stress, limiting beliefs, fears, anxieties, to improving and attracting loving relationships, creating success, financial abundance, and finding their life purpose. And Mark is joining me today for part two of our conversation. And I need to let you know that if this is the first time that you're listening, I would really would like you to stop and please go back to the beginning and listen to part one, which is last week. The reason for this is because Mark and I are going to just continue our conversation and we're not going to go back into the things that we've already covered. So you might be coming into this kind of in the middle and we'd really encourage you to go ahead and and listen to the first episodes. Mark, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks, Lauren. Great to be back. <laughs> so it's funny. I know in our conversation, and our listener at home has probably heard part one. You know where you kind of said, "Oh, maybe we need an episode, another episode to sort of discuss this." It's really <laughs> difficult to talk about, you know, something that you spent 17, 18 years building a career in an hour. It's it's uh, it's probably impossible, really. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many experiences that you have, so many life-changing moments, really. And yeah, to summarize it all, it's actually quite difficult. Yeah, I know. And then after you go, oh, damn, I should have told that story instead of that one, right? I didn't bring up that. And yeah, it's always that sort of thing. So today, what I thought we would talk about I really wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about, you know, what are instant healings? Why do some people heal quickly and other people don't? Why do some people need multiple sessions? We did sort of talk about maybe the body and the soul being disconnected at times, which can affect the healing process. We didn't talk about the actual process either. We did talk about, you know, the different uh, levels and we did talk about, you know, the different types of self, but, or the different uh, levels of self, I guess, I'm probably not explaining that very well, but you know, the four yeah. different, yeah, the core yeah, belief levels, belief levels. Thank you. So we did talk about all of that. So we're not going to go over that today, but one of the things that we didn't get into is, well, how does it actually work? 
So I thought that that might be an interesting way of sort of kicking off part two of the conversation. Does that feel right with you to kind of explain, okay, well, now we know that, you know, we have these programs, but, but how does it actually work? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it, it's actually really a simple process. So how it works is a client will come to you, they have, and, and usually there's a whole list of issues that they actually want to work on. And what you do is you identify the most important thing that they want to work on, and that's what we start with. So let's say the presenting issue is a fear of spiders. So what we're looking to do is to get to the root cause of that fear of spiders. So the fear of spiders is just basically a red flag. The, the body, the subconscious is saying, hey, things aren't working properly. We need to make some changes. And so all of a sudden it throws up this red flag. So now we've got this fear of spiders. And so we go through a digging process where we actually go through and question. And in relation to a fear, you'd actually question in the way that you're bringing up that fear to, for that person. So you may say, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen to you if there's a spider sitting on your lap? And what we're looking for is just the subconscious responses. So it's not what we're consciously thinking, we're identifying our subconscious beliefs. And then we go through that process until we get down to the bottom. And how do you know when you're at the bottom? Because the client will not have another answer. So, you know, if you say to them, okay, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Let's say we go through that process and we get down to I'm alone, for example. And we say, hey, what's the worst thing that can happen to you if you're alone? And, you know, they say, oh, nothing. There's, that's the worst thing for me. Yeah. So you, you're able to identify. You can also identify it intuitively as well. Right. But it's always best to allow that client to actually get there themselves. Okay. Is it because they have a sort of uh, like an, like a light bulb, an awareness, or maybe they're kind of, um, they're yeah. believing it as well. They go, oh yeah, that is the core level. I can, or the, the root program. I can see that now. Yeah, absolutely. So if I was to tell you, okay, your issue all we need to do is change the belief that you're alone. Yeah. Then you think, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not, right? But if we go through that digging process and you get down to that belief of oh, I'm alone or by yourself, you're not going to question it. Yeah, I feel like I I have that program. I need to write that down. I was <laughs> like, damn, that makes sense to me. <laughs> you know, especially being a soul here in the human body, you yeah. do sometimes feel that aloneness, don't you? Is that a common, is that a common root belief? Do you think people have? I'm alone. Oh, absolutely. If there was, if there was like a top ten of you know common bottom programs, I'm alone is you know right up there. Yeah. What would be a couple other ones? I'm yeah. not. I'm not good enough. That would be one. Yeah, you know, not good enough. Not enough. Um, failed my purpose. Failed God is like a a really big one as well. Oh, yeah, and and often you'll get to things like you know having to come back and do it again, right? <clears throat> so people get into that mindset of it's like it's just a repetitive cycle. It's just always you know never never getting to the end. Always having to come back and do it. When you said I failed God, I felt that in my heart. Yeah, yeah, it is a very common one. So even like you know people that aren't really religious and and you know a lot of people have aversions to the word god and that is because 
you know, they've been programmed with so many misconceptions over the years that there's a lot of stress around God. But ultimately, you know, we've got many different genetic beliefs from a lot of different ancestors and, and a lot of them had a lot of faith and, you know, that faith is the key really. And that's one of the principles of theta healing. Like there's only one prerequisite and that is that you have belief in some sort of higher power. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so whether it's god whether it's creator whether it's you know jesus buddha whatever it is for you it could be source what whatever that definition of that higher power is for you you need to believe in something that's that's the key it's funny i don't know if if you do this but i i notice that i have a lot of synonyms for god so i will easily say source energy god creator you know, yeah. pretty much it, I could have one conversation with someone where I might use all those. So I guess it's just a title, isn't it? It's just a label. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, as human beings, we use language to communicate. Yeah. And so all we're doing is just getting like a term that best fits. Yeah. yeah. And that's why you can have those variations. But the key thing is you being comfortable with whatever term you're using. Right. So if, if yeah. God is going to be a stress for you, then use creator. Yeah. If creator is going to use be a stress for you, then use source. You know, it, as long as you're comfortable with what it is. Yeah. There is no problem. I mean, I mean, I remember working with a guy once and and um, his I, I was telling him, can we get the creator to change this belief for you? And he was like, well, you know what? I'm not really comfortable with that word creator. Mm. I said, OK, well, what are you comfortable with? And he his term was Weibu Wei. Okay. And and I said, okay, no worries. Can we get Weibu Wei to change that for you? And and the thing is that the term doesn't matter. As long as because you because once we get down to that bottom belief, then you're using like the, the creator energy to make the changes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So so that's really benefit. It was brought us back to where we need to be. Um so once we identify that bottom belief, what we do is we go up into a theta brainwave. Now, there are five different brainwaves that we go in and out of on a daily basis. The delta brainwave is the deepest one. That's the one that you go into when you're in a deep sleep. Then there's the theta brainwave, and that's the brainwave that you go into when you're under hypnosis. The alpha wave is the brainwave that you go into when you're in a meditative state. The beta brainwave is the brainwave that you go into when you're generally alert, interacting with other people, driving a car, et cetera. And then the delta, uh, sorry, the gamma brainwave is probably like the highest frequency brainwave. And that's where, you know, a lot of times people will actually be in, say, a traumatic experience and they see everything happening in slow motion around them. That's when you go into a gamma state because everything just slows down. And so you might be watching a cup falling off a table and it's like you're watching it happen in slow motion. That's the Mm -hmm. gamma brainwave. So a lot of superheroes are in the gamma brainwave, basically. (laughs) They can freeze time and like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So the thing is, is, is we're going in and out of those brainwaves all day long. So, you know, you you may get a phone call and before you even look at the phone, you know, who's calling you. That's 
accessing a delta brainwave to do that. That's the deep sleep brainwave. You know, the theta brainwave is the manifestation state as well. So you're going into that consciousness. So if we look at a quantum physics perspective where everything is energy, when we go into a theta brainwave, that's the consciousness that we're going into. So it's the consciousness of creation. And that's why theta brainwave is like the manifestation state. Because if we're going into that energy of creation, then we can create or recreate anything that we desire. And there's there's been Stanford uh, University studies where they've actually showed that accessing the theta brainwave is what will allow you to reprogram the subconscious mind. The <clears throat> alpha wave is like if you're driving your car, you go through three or four sets of lights and you think, hang on, were they green? So you've gone into that meditative state, but even though you're awake, you're aware, you're still accessing that brainwave. And so all day long, we're going in and out of the different brainwaves. Amazing. So so with Theta Healing, once we identify what belief systems we're going to change, then what we do is we go, and it's just a visualization. So we go through a meditative process where we visualize ourselves just going up through some white lights and a golden light, then a jelly-like substance, and into a sparkly white light. And that's that energy of creator or the seventh plane energy that I mentioned on our previous Mm -hmm. um, recording. But once you access that theta brainwave, then what you're doing is you're able to make a request or a command to make a change of that belief system. And when we change the belief, we're actually changing it on all four levels at once. So I mentioned the four levels of belief systems. When we make that change, we're doing it on all four at once. And that's why it's actually really profound and really powerful. And then on top of that, what we're doing is teaching feelings to support those belief systems. Yeah, that's really interesting. Just before we talk about the feelings, because that's a really fascinating thing. I do want to talk to you a bit about the command the command aspect. Yeah. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Because uh, I think sometimes people may have a bit of a challenge with commanding God to do anything, (laughs) but we are co-creating with God or source energy or the creator. Right. So can you talk a bit of the word command? Cause that's so, so powerful. And I remember when I learned about it in theta healing, I went, Oh, Whoa, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so what happens for a lot of people is is they may be asking God for something or maybe praying for some sort of specific outcome. And a lot of the times, you know, our worthiness comes into play, you know, like I'm not sure if I'm good enough to have that happen for me or maybe I don't deserve it. And And so there can be a lot of doubt in relation to what we're doing when we're requesting things from creator or or from god Mm -hmm. but when you make the command what you're actually doing is you're giving your subconscious mind a direct um instruction yeah so what we're doing more so is actually commanding our subconscious to make the particular change because if you look at quantum physics the the key with quantum physics is the act of observation. So when you're observing that something is real, 
then you're actually accepting it and it becomes real. Yes. And that's how things work. So if we put out a specific instruction, so for example, to change the belief of I am sad to I am happy. So we're directly and being very clear about what the change is that we're making. And so that's what we're actually commanding is to make that change. And then when we're with the creator, what we're actually doing is we're just witnessing that change taking place for that other person. And, and that is the key. So what we're doing is we're commanding the subconscious and we're requesting the creator to make the change. And, and that's the key thing to understand with our process because, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you look at a lot of the scriptures, if you look at a lot of, a lot of spiritual texts, it's all about like command ye me. Mm. that's giving that directive. So it's not like, you know, where we need to beg the creator or we need to be worthy of having the change take place. And that's the really key thing to, to allow ourselves to move beyond. And that's what using command actually allows us to do is to understand that we're directing the subconscious to make that change. Yeah. And it, what it does as well is it allows you to feel powerful because you are powerful. You know, we're powerful souls co-creating with, with the creator's energy. And, you know, it's almost as though when you say I command that you're owning that power for that minute. I interviewed a really interesting woman on the show, Michelle Lee, and she was talking about replacing the word intention, like not intending, but declaring And I really liked that a lot. That really resonated with me because it made me feel like, oh yeah, intending is sort of passive, but declaring is like, no, I want this. Like, I know what I want. I want this. Or commanding just makes me feel, yes, I can do that. I I really think it's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, that, that does open another can of worms there because a lot of people have big issues in relation to power. So... You know, that's that's one thing that I've seen, like working with a lot of people over the years is, you know, often they've got belief systems that, you know, they're going to misuse their power or it's wrong to have too much power. You know, if we've all got past lives, we've all got ancestors, genetic beliefs, and there can be a lot of misuse of power throughout, um, you know, those experiences. And so it can create a lot of belief systems, a lot of fears come up for for many people in relation to power because all of a sudden if i've got all this power then i'm going to misuse it i'm going to use it for the wrong purpose i'm going to you know become a super villain (laughs) something like that after our conversation the other day i went through diseases and disorders um vienna's book which i had here and i was like oh my god i have so many of these things and you know when you're talking now i go yeah power for me is also something i can really connect to where i go oh i can see because one of the affirmations i have is i know how to be powerful in a way that's you know loving or supports other people so I think yeah. I must have dealt with that in a past life as well, because I, I think that, yeah, people are sort of afraid. And I think we're afraid of being ego, egotistical with our power or, you know, 
yeah. yeah, sometimes people want to kind of shy away from it because they don't want to stand out or be the center of attention. It's a really interesting. It's so complicated being human sometimes. <laughs> Mark, you look at all this Cancel stuff. Cancel that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm canceling. Cut, cut, clear, delete. Canceling that. I'm canceling that. Yeah. Thank you for calling me on that. I appreciate that. That's so good. And, you know, it's fascinating too. When I was looking at that book, you know, small little things that we have in our body that we think, oh, that's normal. Or, you know, it's like, oh no, like you can actually heal yourself from all these different minor issues. Like some people have asthma. Well, I was reading in that. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that you can work on. You know, there's all these amazing things. So let's talk about that in a second. So let's keep going back to what you, what you were talking about. So you've talked about commanding, but now let's talk a little bit about, about feelings. And I thought this, when I learned theta healing, and I've only done my level one many years ago, I will say I'm not an expert. It was fascinating to me about the feelings part of things. You talk a bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Look, the feelings are really profound because feelings allow you to emotionalize things. So how we work as humans, and this is like, you know, going into more of like what I explain in my wealth consciousness class, but your subconscious doesn't know the difference between what is real and what is imagined. So when you visualize something in your mind, your subconscious does not know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. So you can actually use your visualizations to create the life that you desire. And that's, you know, one of the most powerful ways of actually creating. But getting into the feelings of having your manifestation Mm -hmm. allows you to emotionalize, allows it to become real for you. And that's what feelings do. So if we change the belief of I am sad to I am happy, right? It's all well and good now that I've got this belief system that I am happy. But for so many years, I've been sad. So I've forgotten what it feels like to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in order for me to have like a complete shift with that healing, it's really important that I understand what it feels like to be happy. That it's safe and possible to be happy. And most mm-hmm. importantly, that I know who I am being happy. Because I've actually created an identity for myself that revolves around having those sad experiences. And so that's my identity. That's who I am. And so if we're changing that belief, then it's really important that we have that clear identity, that clear new identity of who we are being happy. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you know, if I was to tell you, keep an eye out for yellow cars. You probably haven't seen a yellow car in in a while, but all of a sudden now you're focused on yellow cars. So what you're doing is you're bringing them into your scope of awareness. Mm. They've always been there. It's just it hasn't been your focus. Yeah. So your focus has been on anything else, but just the yellow cars haven't been important. All of a sudden, now we've brought that into your awareness. Yellow cars are important. So now you're keeping an eye out for them and you're noticing them. And it's the same way with our belief system. So if I have the belief system that I am sad, then that's my focus. I'm focusing on all the sad events. Mm-hmm. If and I'm I doing have the belief system, make me feel sad as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. So if, if I have the belief system that I am happy and I download that I recognize the feelings, I know how it feels to be happy and as safe and possible, and I know who I am with it, then what's going to happen is I'm focusing now on the happy events. And so I'm going to notice all the positives. Are you so going to make changes to bring about more happy events as well, naturally? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because because we're like magnets. We're sending out our belief systems into the universe and we're attracting the like energy to what we're sending out. Yeah. So what we're sending out is a cause and the effect is what we're experiencing. So if we're sending out a message to draw more sadness to ourselves, then we're going to experience sad events. If yeah. we're sending out the happy message, then we're going to experience happy events. Right. A really good example is I worked with a guy once who had anger towards his parents. And this man was in his 80s. So his anger for his parents was there for a long time. Wow. And I asked him to rate his anger towards his parents out of 10. So 10, it's a major stress. Zero it doesn't affect him. And he said to me, it's 20. Wow. Oh, and so, we, yeah, so we went through and did the digging process, did the healing on him. And at the end of the session, I asked him if he was to think about his anger towards his parents. And he said to me, oh, look, you know, my parents were actually really good. I remember they did this for me. <laughs> they did that for me. And, and so we got it down to a zero. And then a few days later, he rang me because he had another session booked a week later. And he said, Mark, I'm, I'm going to cancel my appointment for next week. I said, yeah, sure. But can I ask you why? And he said, I really don't think I got anything out of that last session. I said, okay, not a problem. That day we worked on your anger towards your parents. If you think about that now, how does that feel? He went quiet on the phone for a minute. And he goes, okay, I'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs> And, and that's what happens when you heal something to that level. Like when you heal something completely, you don't even remember it was an issue for you. Yeah. And I know last time you were talking about how a big part of, I say the healing is being able to remove the emotional attachments we have to memories and things like that. Um, while yeah. I'm listening to you talk, I, I, I'm hearing, you know, our listener at home going, but what about all the years I've spent on therapy or what about all the people that, you know, and then you've, you kind of essentially healed this guy or the creator, you witnessed his healing in one session. So, yeah, I guess I wanted to know a bit of your thoughts about, you know, that. And but then I also wanted to talk about, well, so would that be an instant healing and do instant healings last for a long time or forever? Could there be something that happens? Could he later watch a movie and there's a scene with the mother and father yelling at their son that re-triggers that? Do you have to continue to maintain this? Yeah, I know that's 25 yeah. questions, but I feel they all go together. So Yeah, absolutely. Look, bottom line, when you have an instant healing like that, it's done. It's done. Yeah. It's done. You you don't need to revisit it. You, you know, the, the thing is, is like healing is like, and, and they use like the onion as an example. Like you've got the layers yeah. of the onion. As you peel away one layer, you're able to see the next layer. So what actually happens is if a person is ready to heal instantly, it's just going to happen. 
I've seen it many times over the years. I mean, I've worked with tens of thousands of people. And, and you know, that person walks in the room, you know they're going to heal. And, you know, bottom line, you could be the best healer on the planet. You could be the most incredible healer that's ever lived. But if that person is not ready to heal, it doesn't matter how good you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the key with working with people one of the most important things that you can do is love everybody that comes to you Mm. when you're in that loving energy with the clients that come to you they're going to feel really comfortable they're going to allow themselves to open up to their deepest issues and that's what we're doing when we're working with people is we're getting into their deepest issues There's a lot of experiences that we have shame about, that we're embarrassed about, that we don't feel like we could talk to anybody else with. As human beings, we have the saying, you know, those are the things that you take to the grave with you. So you you don't share those things with other people. And so as a practitioner, it's important that we're able to allow people to get comfortable, that they can actually let all that go. And if they're in that comfortable state, then they're going to release all of that. And that's going to give them the best opportunity to heal. So it's really important that you're loving everybody for where they're at. It's really important that you're not having judgment mm-hmm. towards a person's issues. Yeah. Right. That that's that's really important because if as soon as your client doesn't feel loved or doesn't feel respected or doesn't feel heard, it's game over. Yeah, well, they also won't want to talk about things. They will just yeah, shut absolutely. down. It'll be a really hard intuitively. I'm sure you know what it's like when you're going to read for someone and they don't want you, they're nervous or scared. It changes the energy. You got to really do things to kind of be like, hey, it's, you know, let's have fun. You know, it's all light here, yeah. <laughs> things like that. Um, yeah, I want to ask you in a minute about whether or not people can heal themselves or whether they need a healer. And, I, and later I do want to know whether or not, you know, are you using theta healing on yourself all the time? But before that, when you were talking about ready to heal, could somebody be consciously ready to heal, but subconsciously not ready to heal? And is that, again, going back to our conversation we had last time about the body and the soul not maybe being in alignment on that? I mean, yeah, I have things for myself, like maybe I feel God and... um. I'm alone and things that I would, I want to heal. And I know on my core level, I feel like deep in my soul, I'm ready to work through those so I can get on with the mission. Um, but how do I know that that's my soul's in alignment with that? And it's not just my mind, for example, I'm just using me because it's just simpler, you know, for maybe yeah. our listener to have a tangible example. Yeah. Look, look, the, the simple truth is, if something hasn't healed yet, then there's more to clear. And that is the last thing that every healer wants to hear, <laughs> right? yeah. that there's more to hear, more to clear. And, and the thing is, is sometimes we put so much time and effort into healing a particular thing and it gets very frustrating because we don't have the results that we desire from it. But if you look at healing, right? So let's say, a person goes to a doctor and the doctor says, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to give you 10 treatments. At the end of those 10 treatments, 
you know, the infection or the issue is going to be gone, then what happens is that person has that reassurance in their mind. Mm -hmm. It's going to take me 10 sessions and they're relaxed and they allow themselves to heal. Okay. But when it comes to healing, it could take one session, it could take 50 sessions. It comes back to the person. But what are the biggest mistake that I've seen people make? So let's say it was going to take 10 sessions for that person to heal. Mm -hmm. What happens is they do their first session. And let's say they get a 5% improvement. If that person's thinking, well, you know what? I came here for an instant healing and this issue is still here. Then what's going to happen is they're going to discount that 5%. They're actually going to regress because they're not appreciating that little bit of improvement. And that's what happens for a lot of people. They get frustrated thinking, you know what? I haven't completely healed yet. So this isn't working. Instead of acknowledging and having gratitude for the little improvement, because once you have gratitude for that little improvement, the next session, you'll see a bigger improvement. And then you have gratitude for that. And then that may actually get you to the position where you're actually ready to heal instantly. So that older man, you know, he's 80, he's, you know, he's nearing the end of his, his human life here, you know, or, or, you know, in a significant chapter and, yeah. you know, maybe on some level he, it was, he was tired of it. And he went, I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm ready to heal. And I mean, who knows, maybe he <laughs> attempted that many times before and it got got him to where he's going so what yeah. i'm hearing from you is that you're going to heal when you're ready and you may think it's now but it may not be and it's not until that you actually do the healing and then you see the result yeah, look, of that, look, that you look, really look, know look here's the key point if there is an issue or something that is affecting you in your life right now then there is a reason there is a reason for it being there on some level it serves you so there is a benefit mm -hmm. to everything that we're experiencing in our lives mm -hmm. so in in the last session i spoke about how we have lessons and virtues that we've come here to learn and experience yeah so that is a benefit so let's say for example a person goes through a really traumatic experience so let's say i went to see that chiropractor, he broke two ribs and a vertebrae. I got four fractures out of the process. So I could be holding resentment towards that person. So that was a really negative experience. But yeah. the lesson that, or the virtue that I needed to learn from that experience was forgiveness. So that experience is going to be there until I learn forgiveness. And can you just learn it from a theta healing forgiveness? Yeah, absolutely. You can download the, the virtue. You can download the understanding of that virtue. And you can allow yourself to release it. And that's basically what happened for me. So it served me. There was, there was as long as I needed to learn forgiveness, there was a greater benefit holding on to that memory than there was to releasing it. Does that Can make you sense? Say that so, again. Say that one more time. So 
as long as I needed to learn forgiveness. Yeah. Right. Oh, that memory was serving you because it was showing you something that needed to be healed within yourself. That's exactly right. Do you think you had other signs before that kicked your butt? That you that was absolutely something that you I did. to work on, and you were like, "Oh no, I'm good. I'll just." Uh, uh, absolutely, I did. Absolutely, I did. Yeah, yeah. A couple of years earlier, I actually broke my finger, and I broke it in three places. And I've I've still got two screws in this finger, and the only reason why I haven't taken the screws out is because they're titanium and they match my golf clubs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but but I had my warning. And did the someone universe... break those fingers? Like, did you have to forgive someone in the process? Or was that you having to forgive yourself for? Oh, it was a football injury. Okay. <laughs> a rugby league, right, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but, but basically what it was, was, you know, the universe gives you opportunities to learn the easy way. Yes. If you don't learn the easy way, the lessons get harder. And like I like to, to state is, you know, the universe gave me with the broken finger, the warning, and I didn't listen. And so the universe said, if you're not going to listen, we'll make you listen. And that's with the, when it gets the baseball bat out and gives you a good hit. How would you have understood at that time, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but how would broken fingers in a rugby league game you know, which happens often, you know, there's a lot of injuries. I watch, I enjoy rugby league, go Cowboys, but you know, uh, how would you have understood that that was a lesson in forgiveness? Like, how would that have been a little bit of a window into that needing to heal that? Well, the, the, it wasn't so much in forgiveness. It was more about connection to God. Okay. Right. So Broken bones, from an emotional perspective, you're working with issues relating to connection to God. Right. Also structure and trust issues as well. Okay. Right. So support comes into that as well. So they're the issues that you're dealing with in relation to that. So I had those issues. And, you know, I was sitting on my hospital bed I was half dead. I didn't know whether I was going to live or die. And I remember talking to my wife and telling her, you know, I'm praying to get better. But who am I praying to? Am I praying to Jesus and Mary of, you know, the Catholicism that I was brought up in? Or am I praying to this God of spirituality? So what happened at the age of 21? I met that girl that I thought was a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Married her. We have wonderful children and you know we're very happily married but all of a sudden I'm into spirituality now and so what happened for me was I created this disconnect in my mind either I was spiritual or I was Catholic it was one or the other and so when I was praying to God I didn't know who I was praying to so you're disconnected from yeah I created the separation Uh in my head and so once I learned theta healing, I realized or understood that it's all part of the whole. Yeah. And that was the missing thing. And so a few years earlier, I had the broken finger. The universe is saying, hey, you need to fix things up. You know, like there's a disconnect here. There's yeah. a separation. Yeah, right. But you wouldn't have known at the time that that's what that meant. 
because I wasn't know. interested in knowing. Yeah. As yeah. soon as my finger healed, I got back into doing the same old yeah, thing. Yeah, got back on the field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I I love that a lot. I think it's so, you know, it's so interesting. And, you know, I, I think sometimes it's frustrating as humans where we we can look back and we go, oh, why didn't I do that differently? But we we operate at the level of consciousness that we're at. You know, we would do better if we knew better. And sometimes we have to go through experiences to get us exactly where we need to be because you know if if you had maybe understood a little bit of that I mean you probably wouldn't have gone to the theta healing class that you went to you might have been on a completely different track you know which may have been the right track for you know mark back then or something but but it's fascinating when you when you kind of can look at all of these different roads that we can take and and why we get on some of them and and we get off others you know when when you were sharing your story you you were talking about you know, how you, you found Theta Healing, uh, you know, how you had that little, that document that your, um, your natural path had given you and you read it and it, it connected to you. And then you went and you, you joined a class and then you also got a healing and then you, you know, essentially joined that, joined in the other part of the class. And then, you know, you're able to heal yourself. So my question to you has to be, you know, can people heal themselves or do they need somebody else to do it? You know, for example, I read Oracle cards. And so it's really easy to read Oracle cards for someone else when you're not emotionally invested in outcome. And it can be difficult to read them at times for yourself. But when I think about the healing that maybe I want to do or the healing that I've done previously, sometimes I've worked with someone and sometimes I've just really wanted to do it on my own. Is there a difference in, in instant healings? Is uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I've got plenty of thoughts on that. Um, yeah. Take it away, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, um, I'll, I'm probably actually a real, you know, not from a space of ego, but I'm actually probably a really good person to answer this question for you because Perfect. a lot of healers experience that. A lot of people struggle to deal with their own issues and find that they're they're needing to get somebody else to help them. When I first started Theta Healing, there weren't that many people that were actually practicing in Australia. Okay. And so I was actually forced to heal myself. So I would spend every day doing healings on myself, not the whole day. What I would actually do is I would actually make a list of all the issues that came up for me throughout the day. I'd actually keep a notepad with me at at that time. Mm -hmm. And at the end of every day, before I went to sleep, I would go through and I would do a healing on all the issues that came up for me. And so that is a practice that I have continued through the last 18 years. I, I don't actually write the things down anymore. And the only reason why I don't write them down is because I've been able to fine-tune the healings where I can actually do a healing on a big issue in just a couple of minutes on myself. Okay, so what I, I can't remember what I said earlier and you told me to cancel that. I can't remember. Do you remember what it was that I said? I said something and then you said cancel that. Oh, uh, something about life being difficult or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's, let's go with that as a good example. So uh, I said that. And I canceled it right away. So it's not true. But would that be an example of something that I would write down in my notebook? Because I said it on a subconscious level. 
you know, or I said it consciously, but uh, clearly because it came out of my mouth, I real, there's some truth. So is is that an example of what, what things you would write down during the day or what would. Exactly. Yeah. That's the sort of thing. So now, I mean, obviously I'm doing this with you, right? So let's say, for example, I had a belief system that came up for me. Say, say I had the belief that come up that life is difficult. Yeah. So if I'm not in a position to work on that right now, then I would write it down. Right. Or make a note of it. But let's say we're going to be finishing in in 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes. I know that there's a set time frame where I'm going to have that opportunity. Yeah. So that's when I would actually work on it. Okay. So I'd make that mental note or, you know, like I'd type it into my phone. Yeah as a thing to do and then I'd work on it but if I was in this position right now and look you know in a lot of cases I've actually learned to multitask I know men you know tr- you know I guess belief wise nobody should multitask FYI but <laughs> <laughs> but men do seem to struggle with it more <laughs> yeah so from a beliefs perspective men have difficulty multitasking yes. from a but- general po- beliefs perspective yeah yeah absolutely but what i've found is i can actually do a healing on myself while i'm talking to you now yeah so i understand that because i've done meditation before and i'll be off in la la land who knows where i'm at but my dog will be here like being like let me jump on your lap and i can i can be aware that he's there and kind of like pick him up while i'm still over there you know, yeah. or yeah, it's, it's interesting how you can kind of split your, and that's what multitasking is funny enough. It's actually when we multi, we're multi-switching. So you yeah. can do that, but it seems to me that you have, you're able to go, okay, higher self, higher awareness take is taking care of that while you're over here using a different part of your brain. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I mean, look, ultimately we're infinite beings. Yeah. If, you know, quantum physics is right and we're one energy with all that is, then everything is possible for us. Yeah. And so doing healings on yourself is actually really simple. I actually find like, you know, I I will go through the digging process on myself. Yeah. And I would get down to my bottom beliefs and I would work on myself exactly the same way I would work on a client. Yeah. And Mark, is it kind of like spiritual hygiene in a way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because when you're talking, you know, you know, we say these things sort of in passing, I guess that's why I had written down and ask you how often you're doing healings, but the fact that you're maintaining a clean spiritual presence or whatever, you know, lack of a better word there, but you know, you're, you're maintaining that kind of level makes sense that you would be doing it all, all the time. That you would be oh, absolutely oh, look look one of the key things too and i've like created like a whole program on boundaries because i believe like boundaries are so important for healers but you know let's say i'm sitting here with you and all of a sudden i get triggered and i feel angry yeah yeah so 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 what what's actually happening is like there's no reason for me to feel angry now yeah so the first thing I'm doing is I'm muscle testing myself to see whether the anger is mine or somebody else's. Okay. And in the majority of cases, 
what's actually happening is we're taking on because we're empaths because we're open spiritually we're open energetically we're actually taking on other people's stuff as our own and you know the boundary work is really profound we've actually had people that have actually um, transformed physical illnesses in themselves just by disconnecting them from a family member's similar health issue. Yeah, yeah. So people have actually taken on the physical conditions or symptoms of a particular illness because they're unconsciously healing one of their family members. That is such a fascinating conversation. And I can't remember if I told you this, but I only found out I was an empath when I started this podcast. So it's a year and a half to two years ago now, which blew my mind, made so much sense for my life. But, you know, I remember I was talking to a close friend and all of a sudden we're on Zoom and I start rubbing my wrist. And I'm like, oh my God, my wrist is so sore. And then they said, is your wrist sore? And I went, yeah. And and I just recently, and I went, wait a minute, is your wrist sore? And they said, yeah, yeah, my wrist is really sore. (laughs) And that was such a nice lesson for me because I could see it in plain sight you know, what was, what was going on? Uh, Can we talk a little bit about that muscle testing thing that you just mentioned in terms of understanding what, what is yours and what's not yours. And one of the things that I learned before was that, you know, if you're feeling an ailment or maybe a negative, negative thought, like anger, let's use, uh, you know, that you can say, I release this if it does not belong to me, but you would use theta healing for that. Or how would you disconnect Anyway, let's go to the the muscle testing to identify because I think that's the biggest issue is people yeah. don't, they don't realize, they're so wrapped up that they don't know. And this happens to me, I would think on a regular basis where I'm interacting with someone and I go away and all of a sudden I'm thinking about things and I'm out of nowhere. Yeah. So muscle testing is a really important tool in theta healing. So we, you know, muscle testing is part of kinesiology. As theta healers, we're not kinesiologists. So what we do is a very, very simple and basic process of muscle testing. Um, The key with muscle testing is muscle testing allows you to recognize what your subconscious believes. Ah. And that's the key because the subconscious beliefs are the beliefs that we're not aware of. And so muscle testing is the tool that allows us to to confirm or deny that we have that particular belief. And so when you're working with another person, you go through that digging process and you identify their bottom belief. And let's say I'm alone. So we muscle test that person. I am alone. And if they get a yes, they've got that conscious recognition that their subconscious has that belief system. And then we go up into a theta state. We make the command or the request to change that belief for that person. And while we're up there, we'll actually teach the feelings that they, it's safe and possible to let go of being alone, Mm -hmm. who they are without being alone and what it feels like to be supported, what it feels like to be loved, nurtured, appreciated. So what we've did that, done there is a couple of different live, like types of feelings. So there's live without feelings and there's also positive feelings. And then we muscle test that person again, I am alone, and they get a no. So now they've got the conscious 
and subconscious recognition that that belief system has changed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now they've recognized that that belief system has changed. That allows them to move forward. So when we're changing that belief, what we're actually doing is reprogramming the neural pathways. Right. So we're creating new neural pathways of, say, you know, I am loved, supported, and nurtured. Mm-hmm. So that person can have that instant shift where all of a sudden now they are loved, supported, and nurtured. Mm-hmm. But in some cases, a person may need to, I guess, um, oh, what's the right word? Uh, practice those things in order to allow them to accept that it's real for them. Put it into, yeah, put it into play, essentially. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So so sometimes that person may need that confirmation because you asked earlier whether it's instant all the time. Some people may have an issue come back, and that's maybe because they're not allowing themselves to truly believe that that's possible, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, I mentioned how things serve us. There are benefits. Yeah. So the important thing to understand with that is an issue will remain in place if there is a greater benefit to having it than the benefit of not having it. Yeah, like some people who are the youngest of a family might get sick a lot because they get a lot of attention and it might serve them in that way, for example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So, so you can change that belief for them but if there is still a greater benefit to getting sick and being loved, then they're going to keep that in place. Yeah. As soon as they can be healthy and still be loved, and there's a greater benefit to mm. that, then the being sick part will disappear. Yeah. That's so good. So I know with theta healing, you guys muscle test by almost standing straight and moving forward or back. Is that how yeah. you muscle test? So you would muscle test a person in that way. Um, I was wondering if you could describe that process, but also when your muscle test, so if we were having a conversation and you were feeling angry, you mentioned muscle testing yourself to see whether or not yeah. it belongs to you as a, so how would you use the same process? Yeah. So a, a really important thing to, to clarify here is, is in theta healing, we have to teach muscle testing in a really, really basic form. And that is so that everybody can do it. Yeah. Well, I think that's right? smart. Anyway, yeah. I mean, I know there's finger muscle, te- there's different things yeah. you can do. Yeah. Yeah. So so basically the, the standing up using your body as a pendulum is the easiest way to do that. So what you need to do is close your eyes and you verbalize the statement that you're muscle testing. And then you see which way your body moves. So a key thing with the muscle testing is um, being hydrated making sure you've had enough water. If you've had enough water, you'll, you'll find your muscle testing is good. But before you muscle test anything, you need to identify what your yes and no is. Yes. So what you do is you make a statement, yes, and see which way your body moves. And then you make the statement, no, and see which way your body moves. And they should move in opposite directions. And then what you do is get confirmation of that by you know, stating a truth. And with muscle testing, it's always a statement, not a question. So I would state, for example, my name is Mark, and my body would move forward. If I state my name is Bill, my body would move backwards. And so I've got confirmation of my yes and no responses. Yeah. And so now I can muscle test whatever statement I choose to. 
But I've worked a lot with kinesiologists over the years. And from a kinesiology perspective, well, a, a, a common belief that theta healers have, and not just theta healers, but probably a lot of people out there, is that they can manipulate their muscle testing. As long as your body is switched on, you won't manipulate it. Oh, that's so cool. And that is the key. But see, these are all kinesiology techniques, and these are things that are, are more in-depth than what we're going to be actually teaching in relation to theta healing Yeah. With when it comes to muscle testing. So I've studied all of those things. So when I muscle test myself, I just use my fingers. So that's my yes, that it stays strong, and that's my no. And do you actually just try to push it down? Yeah, so I'm using the the, the pointing finger. Yep. over the second finger and I'm pushing down with it. Oh, and if so you I'm say... holding the second finger strong oh. and then I'm pushing against it, say yes and no. But one really important thing with muscle testing is you've got to be testing truths. Yes. It's like working so, with a real pendulum, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what you do is test your truths and then test false statements as well. Yeah. And once you build that confidence, that belief in the muscle testing, then it doesn't matter which muscles you're using because like there's over 240 different muscles that kinesiologists can actually use to muscle test you. There are so many different ways, but with theta healing, we just keep it extremely simple and you're yeah. just using the pendulum. Yeah. Or if you're working with another person, you're muscle testing their fingers. Yeah. Do you ever use, because in a pendulum, you would also go no answer. Or maybe do you do that or it's just yes or no statements because that's not going to be helpful. Maybe you're. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, anything that's not a direct yes or yeah, no. Isn't helpful. Is something that I need to work on. Oh. oh so let's okay. say a muscle so test, I am me. alone. Yeah. And my body doesn't move. Then that tells me that there's something there that I need to work on. Okay. Or it could mean the healing didn't take and you have to do it again. Yeah, look, sometimes what happens is if you change a belief and that belief doesn't change, then what you do is you change it a second time. Yeah. If it doesn't change on the second time, then it just tells us there's a deeper issue that we need to address. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and once you address that other issue, you'll find that that belief will change. So if you're talking to me and then you start to feel anger and then you subtly do your muscle testing and you realize it's not you, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, how would you disconnect? Do you, how do you cut that connection? Do you have a method? Yeah. So it's really simple. It's really simple. So all you need to do is, is change the belief, right? So, so you muscle testing the belief. So it could be, I have an oath vow or contract to heal you, right? Or I have to save you. And I would just change those belief systems. But I would actually dig on why I need to save you or why I have that oath vow contract. So are you talking, are you just saying that, okay, so you're feeling angry, you do a muscle testing, you realize it doesn't belong to you. Yeah. But because you're feeling that anger, there's got to be something in yourself that's asking you to be the martyr or the savior of you know, this person with anger. Absolutely. So what it is about you? So you're using that person as a, as a mirror to go, wait a minute, there's some vow or something within me that's trying to get me to save you 
which is why I'm feeling your stuff. Can you ever feel somebody like, you know, when you go into a mall, you go shopping, you come yeah. home and you're just exhausted with everyone's stuff. All over. I mean, yeah. does everything always have to do with the deep program or can you just be sensitive? No, 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 no. So, so no, how like, it works. Do I need to write that down? I'm not sensitive. I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the problem or. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, the, the thing is, Nobody can affect your energy unless you allow them. Yeah. And that's the bottom line of it. So I could be talking to a thousand people. And if my boundaries are healthy, then I'll be able to interact with those people. I'll be able to love those people and give them, you know, whatever information they need, whatever help that I can give them in this moment. But ultimately the creator is the healer. Yeah. So none of that healing needs to be coming from me. It's the creator who's doing the healing for those people that he's helping those people. So my energy it's is cool. safe and protected from everybody because we are all one. Yeah, so you're not depleting you to, you know, help Sarah heal. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But if I have a belief system that I have to heal everybody that I talk to or everybody that I help, then that's an obligation. Right. Or if I go to the mall and come home and get tired, it's because on some level, I think I can't protect my energy properly. Yeah. So I'd be looking at belief systems. I'm vulnerable when I'm in large groups of people. I'm right. vulnerable when I go to the mall. Or, you know, I have to heal people that need healing or need saving. Oh, my God. It's pretty fascinating, isn't it? Uh, look, it's it's huge. And, and yeah. it is really profound. The results that you get from it is really phenomenal. It's 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 just so powerful. It, it blew yeah. my mind like a few years ago when I really started getting into the whole boundaries side of things because it was just, it made so much sense. Well, yeah, because empaths are exhausted a lot of the time, I think. Yeah, because the thing is, is, is we're healing people. We're doing all these healings on ourselves. But as long as you've got obligations to other people, if you've got obligations to you know, say heal people through the fourth plane of existence. So the fourth plane of existence is the ancestor realm. And that's where you have like your medicine men and women. And, you know, some of their key belief systems associated with healing people was that they weren't allowed to heal themselves. Oh, wow. They had to have a healer who healed them. On top of that, in order for them to heal another person, they would actually take the illness on from that other person and then go away and release it. Oh, yeah. And there's a really phenomenal example of this in the movie, The Green Mile. It's a Tom Hanks movie. If, if you haven't seen it, watch that I movie. I have. It's so good. But yeah. I remember it made me feel so sad and I never yeah. went and watched it again because I was, it was, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, but you see the healer, he takes the illness on from Tom Hanks. And then he goes away and he releases them. It's like all these flies are coming out of his mouth as he's releasing it. So that's how the healers used to heal in the past. So if we have genetic beliefs 
or past life beliefs that we are a healer, then unconsciously we have to take on the illness from the other person. But if we've forgotten how to release it, then all of a sudden it creates a major stress. (laughs) Oh, my God. And so I I originally wanted to go, oh, my God, we're doomed. And that's I need to cancel that. But I need to be aware that I just said that in my head, like it's too hard or it's too much work or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you'd go through and dig on that and get to the bottom of where that belief comes from. That's just so fascinating. Um, It's, yeah. Do you ever get tired of, you know, having to like looking at these things as triggers or are you emotionally detached from it? You're like, oh, cool. There's that again. Okay, boom. Let's move that on. Okay, there's that again. Move that. Because when I'm listening to you talk, you know, it seems to me like in a way, it's essential for spiritual hygiene for people to know how to do this stuff for themselves. Otherwise you'd be racking up quite a bill going to a healer every, you know, couple of days or every week or something to like give them the whole recipe of things that you've processed that week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, for me, it's, it's, it's become part of my life. So it's just the way of life. And so I don't look at every issue that comes up as a problem. I look yeah. at every issue as a gift. So this issue that's coming up for me now is coming up for a reason. And the reason why it's coming up is because I have big visions for my life. Yeah. I have things that I'm manifesting. And right now I'm not at the level of vibration of what my manifestations are at. And this is why. So when I manifest something, then what I'm doing is essentially I'm saying to the universe, bring up whatever I need to heal so I can raise my consciousness to the level of my manifestation and I can allow myself to experience it. I know that to be true, Mark, so much. It's so, I just feel like that. I just, that's so profound for me, what you've said. I, I totally know that to be true. And I would think that our listener at home, if they're, looking at things that they want to achieve in their life that aren't where they want it to be. Look for the people around you that are mirroring that. Look for the little things in your dreams or little indicators and clues that are showing you there's some stuff that you can work through to assist you in moving up to that frequency. It's yeah, just yeah. so powerful. Um, we're out of time. We're over the hour again. I, I mean, I feel like <laughs> I blinked and we're here. Uh, I have 10 questions I didn't even ask you we'll ask you two or three of them can I just quickly ask you before we wrap here a little bit about the inner child because I've been learning quite a lot about the inner child lately and I was just sort of wondering does the inner child and theta healing play a part or is that just one of the you know the level it's like the genetic or core level or something I guess I'm kind of wondering because you haven't mentioned inner child at all so does that even do you have yes. do you connect to the inner child to that phrase or anything? We don't really connect to the inner child as such, but what's really important to understand is when you're changing beliefs and you're teaching feelings, you're actually doing that on all aspects of yourself. So it's actually covering your inner child as well. Because we're infinite beings. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so it's 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 this show is hard for me sometimes because like I learned, I learned things and I was like, 
that's my truth. Now that's my truth. No, now that's my truth. No, not now that it's so <laughs> it's, and it's fascinating. It's one of the reasons why I do this show, right. Is so that people can listen to things and find their own way in their own, their own direction. But you yeah. know, when you think about us as infinite beings, we're not separated. So yeah, I just feel like my brain's trying to process a lot of stuff right now. Yeah. yeah. And look, you know, the thing you got to understand is if you're being made aware of something, then there is a gift in it for you. There is something that you need to learn from, you know, whatever it is that's coming up there. And and look at everything as a gift. Look at everything in your life as a gift because you're progressing. You've got visions of creating more for yourself, getting more out of your life. Yes. And if that's the case, then issues are going to come up for you. So look at those <laughs> issues that come up as a gift. You yes. Yes. Uh, you know, Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich, one of my favorite books. So good. Says behind every obstacle is an equal or greater opportunity. But here's what happens is we have our vision. We're manifesting something and we get excited and we start moving towards it. And then an obstacle comes up. And what happens is we take our focus away from our destination and we begin focusing on the obstacle. So we turn this little obstacle into this huge mountain. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why and, your desire has to be so strong and clear to keep you on the path of where you're going. So nothing can deter you and take you off. Yeah, absolutely. It's just about staying focused. And when you're staying focused and when that's in alignment with your life purpose, mm -hmm. it's easy to stay focused. It's easy to stay in that joy yeah. and that understanding that the universe is abundant Yeah, and your natural state is abundance. And so you deserve to have abundance in all areas of your life. Yeah. You know, the fact that you don't have abundance in all areas of your life is the bigger problem. Yeah. It's allowing yourself to open up to it. And that's the key. And that's why changing our beliefs and doing this theta healing work on ourselves is so profound because what we're doing is opening up to our natural state. Yeah. You know, I really like that a lot because <clears throat> while you're talking, I was thinking, okay, so um, what I wanted to say to you was that I tend to be like if a lesson or something comes out, I tend to be really hard on myself about not being perfect or not having had that level of, you know, that, that I'm dealing with that still or something. But when you're talking, it's sort of like, it's exciting actually in a way. Cause I go, Oh, okay. That's the thing that's been getting in the way. Let's get it gone. Here we go. Right. So it's, yeah. I, so I can see yeah. the gift. Yeah. It, it does reframe it. So, you know, if yeah. someone's struggling at home with, um, with being serious or, or being, playing a victim or being down on themselves for these things, how would you recommend that they, they shift that energy to, to become excited and look at it as a gift? Is it as easy as just saying, I'm going to do it. I'm determined. I declare that, or, or is it keeping your eye on the prize and, and understanding that this is just showing you what you need to do to be able to achieve that? Yeah. Look, it's, it's only as hard as you make it to be. And, and ultimately like everything is a belief system. Right. So, you know, I, I used to be there. I used to be there. I was 100%. I was the biggest critic. I was the worst critic on myself. I would punish myself over every little thing that would happen. And I realized over time that that didn't work. And, and you know, it probably took me longer than what it's taken a lot of the viewers or the listeners here yeah. um, to, to realize that. And it, it did. It took practice to allow myself to get into that state where I'm allowing myself now to see everything as a gift because for a long time it was like, well, 
I'd get frustrated with myself. You know, I've done so many healings. How can this stuff be coming up? How can, you know, this issue be happening? Why hasn't this manifestation happened yet? Etc. All those sorts of things. And I'd be punishing myself over those. And it didn't work. And so I realized that, okay, well, you know what? If it's going to work, then I've got to be my own best friend. I'm the one who spends the most time with me. Yeah. So a, a question that I, I ask people in my wealth consciousness class is, if you had a best friend who spoke to you the way you speak to yourself, would you let that person inside your house? No, you wouldn't. <laughs> and, and that's the key thing. So you're going to become that positive influence for yourself mm -hmm. because you're the one who spends the most time with you. Mm -hmm. right? and, and, you know, like your words and your thoughts are really important. So on average, scientifically, they've found that you have about 60,000 thoughts a day. Yeah. A lot of those are repetitious. A lot of those are things that you don't need to know about, like, you know, telling your you know, heart to beat, etc. But if 95% of our life is determined by our subconscious mind, then it's still about 5% that we're consciously aware of. So if we do the maths, that's about 3,000 thoughts in a day. Yeah. I don't know about you, but like, I'm lucky if I can remember 100 thoughts that I've had in a day. Yeah but we're constantly sending these messages out. So if we're constantly sending those messages out, be aware of the messages you're sending out. Yeah. And if you're going to send out those messages, make them positive. Yeah. And feel that. Cause that's one of the things that I didn't do for a long time. I've been working at reprogramming my mind for over 20 years. And I realized that I've been missing the emotion. Yeah. I've been telling myself and changing a lot of these thoughts and I've been able to succeed in a lot of ways, but I think I could have been doing better, or I think I would have had a better effect if I'd been feeling the emotion as well as telling myself the thought. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, it's it's all about learning. Yeah. And you needed to go through what you needed to go through to get to where you are today. And that's yeah. the way you've got to look at your life. Everything that you've been through to this point has mattered. Yeah. It has been important. It has brought you to where you are today. And it's now about okay how can i be the best version of me moving yeah. forward what can i do right now that will help me be the best version of myself and you know you have your vision of the future but you bring it back to now what can i do right now that will help me yes. to be the best version and and you simplify things that way you yeah know, that's and, the key is keeping things simple yeah and you can simplify the past too right because kind of what you talked about last time on the show is you know some people have gone through really difficult stuff and you know, it's about understanding that, you know, there are things that, you know, should never have happened, but they did. And it's about learning from and being able to move on from that now, right? Keeping it simple in that way. And it's it's easy to say when you're not thinking of a situation or you're not experiencing that for yourself, but yeah. right, because these gifts are are helping us see these parts of ourselves that need that healing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, like I, I look at issues that, you know, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, if I got angry, I may have stayed angry for three or four days. Yeah. Now, if I get angry, I'll recognize it in minutes and realize, well, hang on a minute. Why am I angry? Is this mine? Is this somebody else's? If it's somebody else's, I'll disconnect from it. If it's mine, then I'll go in and dig on it. Why am I angry? And I'm able to clear it in minutes. And so instead of, you know, being thrown out for a, number, a long period of time, you, you, finding you're picking things up really quick and that's the key thing it's about bringing it back to now like you know what's really happening for me now why am I feeling this way now 
and having the empowerment to change it. And that's what theta healing is for me. And and I truly believe theta healing is just empowerment. Yeah. Taking back our lives and knowing that we are the ones who can make those changes. You know, I don't need somebody else outside of me to heal me. It's no. nice to get somebody else to do a healing for me from time to time. But ultimately, I am one with the creator. Yeah, I and am I've the one who felt... has all the answers for my life. And so it's about yeah. bringing it back to that. And I've always felt the hesitation around that where I'm like, I want to do it myself. You know, I don't need to go to some, I want to be able to do it myself. I want that power. I have that power. Yeah. And I, yeah. I want to use it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I got to say um, the feeling that I'm left with is excitement is opportunity and it's it's remembering that i'm in the driver's seat and i i got this i totally got this Absolutely. and i i feel that so so deep in my core so is there anything that i didn't ask you that you wanted to to mention also how can people get a hold of you we do have a lot of international uh viewers and listeners that that listen outside of australia so are you gonna be doing any traveling what about people who are in the u.s um, just any thoughts that you have, Mark, and I'll put Mark's links of, of course, in the, in the show notes as well. Yeah. So I, I teach all the theta healing classes um, from the basic level all the way up to, you know, the, the really advanced classes. So they're all on my website, which is thetahealing.net.au. Um, I teach classes internationally as well. We do them all by zoom as well. So you know, we can we can do timeframes. If you've got a group of people that you'd like to host me to teach a particular class, I'm open to doing that as well. If you just email me at marketthetahealing.net.au, we can look at those options as well. Um, I do travel. I teach. I will be going to Taiwan this year. That's that's the first country that I'll be going to since this COVID break. So uh, that'll be interesting. That'll be in July. So that'll be really cool. So there'll be Chinese translation for my wealth consciousness class there. And, um, but yeah, look, you know, the key thing that uh, I just want people to take out of, out of this is reclaim your power. You are one with the creator. You are more than, you know, what you think you are. Allow yourself to really step into your purpose. Allow yourself to, be that best version of yourself and just know that you are amazing. You came here to make a difference. None of us chose to come here to make up the numbers. Every single one of us has a greater purpose and allow yourself to step into that. You have no idea how easy it is to touch people's lives in a positive way. And you have everything that you need to. It's just about allowing yourself to believe that it's possible for you. And, you know, I believe that we're all here to make a massive difference on this planet. A that it starts is by changing you. You change you, the people around you see that change, and then all of a sudden they're interested in changing themselves. And so the key is is just in every moment, just be the best version of yourself. I love that. Thank you so much, Mark. What an awesome conversation. Uh, it's been so good, and I'm so thankful that you spent more time with us. So thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Lauren. I really appreciate the opportunity and have gratitude for everybody who's listened to this. I hope it's helped you in a positive way and, you know, be the best version of yourself. You're amazing. <laughs> Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast 
and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.